Hello everyone and welcome back to the Manic Manor podcast. This is Mitchie. So I know it's been a little while since I had posted on what we were going to do for this episode. So without too much of an introduction, I'm going to go ahead and we're just going to go and dive right into today's episode. So as I had mentioned in the Instagram post, we're going into a case that kind of dabbles into true crime, while it also does mystery, while we're also talking about history. Um, This is the case of a Chinese spy who happened to catch a French diplomat in what they call a honeypot trap. So this is the case of Xi Pei Pu and... Bernard Borchio, and I really do hope that I am pronouncing their names correctly. If I do not do so, please feel free to correct me. So we're going to go ahead and backtrack and talk about Xi, and then we'll talk a little bit about Bernard as we're talking about Xi, because primarily a lot of this in the research that I did mainly just revolved around what Xi had done. I mean, Bernard's past was very slim to none in all the research that I did. So here we go. So Shi Pei Pu was born on December 21st, 1938 in the Shandong district in China. So for people who don't know, Shandong in China is one of the more wealthy areas. Um, Also a little fun fact, it's also known to be the birthplace of Confucius. So it's very rich and has a lot of Confucian heritage. Um, So his family was a little bit well off, I guess you could say. He was one of three siblings and he had two sisters who were very much older than he was. And his father and mother, they both worked in teaching professions. Um, His father taught in college and his mother was a local school teacher. It didn't say whether or not she taught like elementary, uh, middle, high school, or whatnot, just that she was a local school teacher. But as far as his education goes, not much is really known other than he attended uh, Yunnan University at the time and was also studying French. Now keep in mind, this is going to be very important later on down the line. By the age of 17, He was participating in opera shows, so he was very gifted and picked up an act for acting and singing, and he turned out to be very talented in this. So he ended up performing in these operas in Peking in China, and as a result, he ended up um, dressing up as a woman. Now, the result of this is a practice that was known as Nandan, and I do hope that I pronounced that correctly as well. But the whole purpose of this was because during this time, men and women could not act act together in certain scenes with one another on stage because it wasn't necessarily deemed proper to be together. So men, in order to avoid this, would dress up with the makeup and certain outfits in order to avoid this. So that's exactly what she was doing. And that was considered perfectly fine because you could see and date back all the way to like the Ming Dynasty in China acts like this being performed. So she began to gain fame and a level of notoriety within China because of his acting. And 
of course, we can't discuss China without discussing the communist regime. And remember also that I stated that she had learned how to speak French fluently as well. So, with his acting and all that, communist China, the French-speaking were going up into the 50s and the 60s, and um, the French government at this point recognized the regime in China, which allowed the French embassy to open up in China in 1964, which made it the first Western embassy to open up in China since the Korean War. So French diplomats and workers were now able to come in and work in China. And one of these workers was a 20-year-old diplomat named Bernard Borchio. Excuse me if I mispronounced his name. Um, so he was assigned to an embassy as an accountant working in Beijing, otherwise known as Peking at the time. So a little past history on Bernard, there wasn't a lot about him as I mentioned earlier but um, he was born in 1944 and um, it was stated that he had an upbringing within various boarding schools in France where he had encountered several quote-unquote homosexual relationships that made him question his sexuality whether or not that's true uh, we will never know but it seemed like he was determined just to find love he wanted to be happy with himself, and start a new life. But by Christmas time of 1964, he had gone up through the ranks. He had um, been working in the embassy for a little bit of time, and he received an invitation to a reception by another diplomat of France, Claude Chaillet. Now, Claude was a higher-ranking officer at the embassy, so I'm sure it was a very affluent party. So a lot of... Of the more, you could guess, you know, wealthier, better-off people of China at the time were going to be there. And Bernard did attend to this party. And that's how he met the then 26-year-old Xi. Now, I think much to Bernard's surprise, she was, of course, fluent in French, like I had mentioned earlier. And so the two of them had met the acquaintance of one another, and they were able to carry on conversations, and something about it just clicked. They were able to carry on conversations the entire night with each other, and it was like pleasant company, and it was a happy surprise. And they gossiped the night away, exchanging interest and everything. And a funny note that we're going to mention here. She did appear at this party dressed up as a man, but something about him to Bernard said he had a more feminine look, like his facial features and such were more brighter, his eyes were brighter, and he had way more delicate facial features. That of a woman is the way that he would describe it. And there was something about it that had Bernard convinced that she was a woman. And what was more so like a nail in the coffin, like somehow she was on to this, that Bernard was convinced that he was a woman, was that she told Bernard that he was actually a woman. But because of the way he grew up, his father always wanted a son, 
and already had two daughters growing up, he was forced to live as a boy. So, as a result, even though he was a woman, his mother and father, quote-unquote, dressed him as a boy, forced him to act like a boy, and so he did all of this just to fulfill the desire of his father. So, that was the story, basically, that since Shin's fam she's family already had the two older daughters, the father wanted a son, and so the mother and father forced him since birth to essentially live out this identity. And later in life, it would be said that she had um, bragged about being this being that was so fascinating to both men and women. And Bernard completely believed his story. He didn't see any reason not to believe what she was telling him. And I guess he felt sorry in a way for him, or he just... Something in his heart reached out and he genuinely believed that she was a woman who was being forced to live a life that was not a life that he had wanted to live. But one thing led to another and the two eventually began a relationship which quickly became a very intimate relationship. And I'm sure a lot of people at this point are automatically going to think, but there would be one major problem with that. Because there's a very big difference. Well, turns out, there was a condition with she where he had a um, condition where he could actually um, retract his own, his own testicles and kind of just like, you know, adjust himself a little bit. And it made everything look pretty authentic and on top of that he um, convinced Bernard that there was a certain etiquette that just needed to be done where if they were going to be intimate with one another it had to be done in the dark it was just the way that it was where he was from and this relationship this is how it would be for 20 years no joke all of this time, 20 years, um, there was a source that, despite Bernard believing himself to be involved with a woman while being with she, he was embracing the possibility maybe he was bi as well as anything being um, stationed over in China. Um, there was a rumor that even while being with she, he was with a Frenchman as well. That source wasn't actually confirmed. Um, but he still remained in a relationship with she and still had other relationships with women as well along the way. But it seemed like the affair, the affair between Bernard and she was going strong and very well. But somehow along this pathway of their affair, the government in China ended up finding out. Now how they found out whether it be through a whistleblower, uh, through Xi himself, or whatnot, the government found out. Um, in specific, they did say there was a former politician in China named Kung Sheng. Um, Kung approached Bernard and essentially said that he could offer him access to Xi if he was to give him documents from the French embassy. Now, some sources also say 
that the government spoke to Xi and pressurized Xi to pressure Bernard into providing documents. And so, of course, it looks like documents did um, get turned over. And now, in the meantime, we've also got the revolution in China. Uh, communism was becoming way more prominent. Any remnant of capitalism was being purged from the country, and it was definitely hard for this couple to have their little rendezvous. So they were managing to get by with what they could, but it was becoming a strain for them to meet with each other. So there was a gap period where they did not see each other at all. Probably about a gap of a, about four to five years, I believe, that they did not see each other. But eventually, um, they did meet each other again, and when they did, she miraculously produced a child in front of Bernard. And essentially told Bernard, hey, this is your son from our quote-unquote last intimate encounter. And it's as much as I painstakingly don't want to say it, the child's name that was given to it by she was she Doodoo. Yeah. Um, Bernard did call the child by another name. He called him Bertrand, I believe. Um... I think that's how you pronounce it. But he accepted him just as if he was his own son. Um, but he did have to make his way back to France in 1979 after meeting with his family for a brief period of time. But he did send for his family. And by 1982, they were finally reunited. Um, now, this period of them being happy and living together... It was very brief. Um, and when I say brief, I mean very brief. She was performing Beijing opera in TV shows, on stage, and stuff around France. Um, he got like an extended visa to stay in France, and this lasted maybe about a year. Um, you know, they had their son and everything. He was still under the guise of being a woman. Things seemed to be going pretty well. For that year. But peace was short-lived because by 1983, the French, uh, French intelligence agency had discovered through some tip, whoever gave that tip, that the couple had done some very mischievous shit in China. So by June 30th of 1983, Bernard had been arrested and was being questioned and he finally coughed it up and confessed to passing documents that were classified to Xi in the amount of at least 150 classified documents. So, in turn, she ends up getting arrested as well, and both were put on trial for espionage. And at their trial, both were found guilty and ended up receiving six years each to be served. Now, here's where things are going to get very juicy. Because, at this trial, this is when everything starts coming out of the bag. So she has been holding on to the claim that she was a woman all this time. Now, Bernard saw the fact that she was, you know, being forced to live under the identity as a man. 
and thought that, you know, she had been born a woman. But now we're coming to the fact that she's going to be going to a quote-unquote prison for men and such. But now she's sitting up here and saying, hold on, hold on, I'm a woman. And is like kind of throwing Bernard under the bus now during this trial. Saying, I don't know anything about confidential documents. And the judge kind of wasn't buying this. And ordered a full body ex examination and everything. So with this being the 80s and everything, I'm not sure exactly how the French law worked. But either way, there was a full body examination done. And the doctors examined she and came back and just full out said... Hey, no, this is not somebody who was born a woman and were born a man and identifies as a woman or anything. I, I don't know what you're talking about. This is just straight up a man. So she was shipped off to a men's prison. And when they asked she why he said everything that he said or what was it that he said to Bernard, he simply stated doubling back down on what he... Like, kind of just throwing everything he said in the trash when you think about it. I never told him that I was a woman. Only that I could become a woman. But that doesn't seem anything at all like what he had initially told Bernard. So, then came the other question. Well, if you were never a woman, then why is there a kid... Because you claim that you birthed this child out of an affair. And this is the disturbing part of the story for me. He confessed that he bought the child from a minority family that could not afford to feed the child or give a proper home to the child. So essentially, the child was used in a scheme to defraud Bernard. So, of course, all of this word gets back to Bernard, and when he is informed of this from his prison cell or wherever he is at this time, I think like anybody who discovers this after spending 20-ish years being with this person, thinking that you know them, thinking that they identify as this because they were born like this, but they're forced to live this way, but it's all been a lie... And now they're, like, gaslighting the shit out of you. And the son that you thought was your son is not really your son. You're going to go insane. You're going to snap. And it was more, like, humiliation than anything. The so-called woman that he had fallen in love with is not even this woman at all. It's a whole ruse. His entire life that he had created and worked so hard on has just been a lie. And he just became a laughing stock in France. So, while he had been incarcerated, he somehow managed to get a hand on a razor blade and attempted to commit suicide by cutting his throat. But, however, that didn't work for him and he does manage, he did manage to survive the ordeal because I do believe he is still alive today. And, as I said, this case does go public. And Bernard became a laughing stock in France, like I said. Which is rather disgusting to think about because I feel bad for him. How traumatic would it be for anybody 
to go through this, especially when you think you know somebody so well and you put your heart and soul out to them. So for him to have his own country turning their back on him, even though he did commit espionage against his own country, that's bad. Now, eventually, both she and Bernard did get pardoned by the French government in an effort to ease the tensions between China and France in 1987, so they weren't really behind bars all that long. But it did little to change the relationship between both she and Bernard. Now, after their release, she did still live in Paris, France with his adopted son, and he still performed as an opera singer and went about his life, but... um, As far as communication with Bernard and uh, talking about what happened, that really didn't happen again. He didn't like to hear about, you know, the rendezvous and the intimate talk about his former lover. And Bernard damn sure didn't want to hear about it. And the two rarely, if ever, spoke to one another. Now, as of 2009, she did die in a nursing home in Paris at the age of 70. Now, Bernard was informed of his death, but he was extremely indifferent about it, and I don't think I can blame him much, but here's the quote that he said when he was informed of she's death. He did so many things against me that he had no pity for. I think it's stupid to play another game now and say that I am sad. The plate is clean now, and I am free. That is very deep. Now, in 1993, uh, playwright David Henry Huang uh, created the play in Butterfly. It's uh, heavily influenced by the happenings of what happened between she and Bernard. Not to be confused with the uh, short story and the play Madame Butterfly. Um, This was later turned into a movie that starred Jeremy Irons and John Lowe by the same name of M. Butterfly for anybody who wants to check that out. But that is the story of the Chinese espionage that affected a little French bureaucrat. So I'd like to thank you guys for listening in on the story today. If you have any other cases that you would like for me to cover or anything that you would like to um, say, feel free to reach out to me. As always, um, you can reach out at manicmanorpodcast at gmail.com. You can reach us at Facebook at Manic Manor Podcast or on Instagram at Manic Manor Podcast. And until next time... I hope you guys have a great week.